Welcome to the Scottish at Heart podcast with me, Alison Fraser. Whether you're Scottish at heart or Scottish by blood, this podcast is for all Caledonian connections. So grab a wee dram as we explore what it means to be Scottish. Hi and welcome to episode one of the Scottish at Heart podcast. My name is Alison Fraser and it is my absolute delight to bring this podcast to life. This is for anyone who feels Scottish at heart, regardless of where they live or ancestral claims. If you love the music, a wee drum of whiskey, enjoy gazing at the scenery or swoon at the accent, I hope you find something that you enjoy. We're going to meet people who have ties to Scotland in any which way to show that Caledonian connections run deep. Now I've chosen to launch this on St Andrew's Day, November the 30th, because it's a national day of Scotland and the flag of Scotland is the St Andrew's Cross. There's a town of St Andrew's in the Kingdom of Fife and most people will know it as being the birthplace of golf, the famous beach running scene in Chariots of Fire and also where the Prince of Wales, William, met the now Catherine, Princess of Wales, while at St Andrew's University. The name St Andrews derives from the town's claim to be the resting place of the bones of the Apostle Andrew and according to legend St Regulus brought the relics to Kilremont where a shrine was established for their safekeeping and veneration while Kilremont was renamed in honour of the saint and there remains a pilgrimage to St Andrews called the Way of St Andrews I visited St Andrews one July day back in 2006 before I moved back to New Zealand after 18 months living in Edinburgh. It rained, but I still enjoyed world-famous ice cream from Jeanetta's and a run on the beach humming the Chariots of Fire tune to myself. You'll hear more stories like this in this podcast, but this first episode, I'm going to introduce you to Kathy Kamleitner, a travel writer from Austria who has made Glasgow her home. When I first started listening to Kathy's podcast, Wild for Scotland, earlier this year, I was convinced at the beginning that she was Scottish. But with her European lens, she is discovering Scotland with a focus on the outdoors and getting out to explore. I've links to her podcast in the show notes for you to check out after you've heard from her. But without further ado, let's give her a listen. Welcome on Kathy Kemleitner from Watch Me See and also the Wild for Scotland podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. What came first, Kathy? Podcast or the blog? Oh, the blog was definitely first. That's been a few years, quite a few years now that I've had it. And the podcast came during the pandemic, as I think many people's podcasts, or at least the ideas to do one, came at a time when I spend a lot of time at home mm. <laughs> and needed something to do and, and a way to share my love for Scotland in a new way. So yeah, the podcast came second, definitely. You sound like you've got a Scottish accent, but I know, and the listeners will know by now from my intro that you're actually from Austria. Yeah, so that I've been here for 10 years and it always stumbles people a little bit because they can't place me they don't know where I'm from they can hear the Scottish accent but they can also hear that it's not a native accent and then they don't know where I'm from which is quite funny but yeah I'm a bit of an accent chameleon I can't do an accent on purpose like if you forced me I couldn't or it would be very bad 
but I take on whatever accent I'm surrounded by and yeah I've been here for a long time now which is why I think I've kind of muddled the Glasgow accent into how I speak. (laughs) What led you to move to Scotland? So it was actually quite pragmatic to begin with to be honest. I wanted to study in an English-speaking country and for my master's degree and I was looking at different programs Scotland was one of the countries I had been looking at, not so much because I knew anything about Scotland or felt that there was a connection there, but really more because the programs were more affordable (laughs) than in many other places. There was other countries, other continents on my wish list where it was just impossible to even conceive the idea of moving that far and spending that much money. Scotland seemed like a more affordable option. And I had in the back of my head, I had this image of a country that is green with rolling hills and farms and nature and just beautiful countryside but I had never been and I don't think I even knew anyone at that point who had really ever been to Scotland and now of course Scotland now I know how much more diverse it is than that in in initial um, vision I had of it so when I applied for uni here I knew very little but then when I actually got here it was clear very very quickly actually on day one as soon as I got in the taxi from the bus station to my accommodation that it was home and that Glasgow specifically just felt like the right place for me. What was it do you think that made you feel that way? It was the taxi driver so I didn't understand the word what he was saying I think that was the one thing but what I did understand is the the absolute sheer passion with which he told me stories about his family and he had pictures of them in his cab so he would point at the pictures that's how I knew he was talking about his daughter and his grandchildren and his dog and so on and so forth and I think this passion and the welcoming attitude and the really down-to-earth atmosphere I had on that very first journey that won me over and I just thought if you come to a place as a foreigner who speaks the language but doesn't understand the accent and you're welcomed in this way, it can only be a a fantastic place to live. And I was right, um, of course, as as I know now. And yeah, it was just that feeling of welcoming and and warmth that really won me over. Wow. First impressions. I know, right? I can't say that about all taxi drivers uh, in Scotland, unfortunately, but that one was a lucky pick. (laughs) When you came to do your master's, had you intended to return to Austria? To be honest, I didn't really have a plan beyond the 12-month program at university. I hadn't, by the time I moved here, I actually didn't live in Austria anymore. I had lived in Berlin the year before going to Glasgow. So I was already kind of on the move, trying to find a place where I felt like it was home and it was a a place where I could develop myself and, and find the career I wanted to do. So I was very open to moving around. I don't think I had in my mind, then I'm going to go home afterwards. Um, but I also didn't realise that I would be still here 10 years later. So that everything came a bit as a surprise in the end, I would say. And Scotland's now firmly home for you. Absolutely, absolutely. There's I have no intentions of moving 
back home uh, in quotation marks so to say to Austria even though if my mum listens to this she will be very sad to hear that <laughs> but yeah Scotland has become my home it has become you know I've turned living here and 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 exploring the country into my career as well is what I'm passionate about in terms of the stories I want to tell and the kinds of people I want to connect with so it is through and through the place where I want to be. What led you to start Watch Me See? I've always been writing so ever since I could write whether that was by hand or on my mum's typewriter in the early 90s because my brothers wouldn't let me use their computer. I've always been writing and I've always been not just making up stories but also pulling together facts from different sources and presenting it in the new and, and for me exciting way so for me starting a travel blog was something that came very natural as blogs became a thing so I had multiple travel blogs and culture blogs and fashion blogs and all sorts of things over the years until I started Watch Me See at that time, I was a regular contributor for another travel online publication. So I knew that there was a, an industry out there and a, and a desire out there for, for more travel content on the internet. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And the more I traveled around Scotland in those first one, two, three years of living here, I realized that I wanted to write more about that part of it. And I, I felt that there wasn't enough information out there and the information that was there was too generic. And yeah, that's why I started my own website. Now, Watch Me See, actually, I bought the name, the domain name, as with the intention to turn it into a photography website. Hence the Watch Me See, rather than any relation with Scotland in the, in the name title. So maybe I would have done it differently if I had purchased the domain right at the start with that intention in mind. But those ideas very quickly came together and I realised writing with the aid of photography to, to show off the place. But the writing particularly was just something I really enjoyed a lot more than just pure photography. What was the first place, where was the first place you explored when you arrived in Scotland, you arrived in Glasgow, you're out the taxi, you started your master's, you know, aside from wandering around Glasgow and exploring the city, do you, can you remember where you first decided to go out and explore? I love that question because yes, I do remember. I was, for a second, I thought you were going to ask me the first blog post I wrote about Scotland and I have no idea. <laughs> but the first place I went to is actually one of my, well, I can pick favourites. It is my favourite place in Scotland. Uh, it's Glencoe, which I think is a very solid choice for a favourite place in Scotland for a variety of reasons. And the first trip I did there, I think it was maybe two or three weeks into moving to Glasgow. I'd signed up for the mountaineering club at Glasgow University and they had what they called a fresher's meet. So for all the new members, to welcome all the new members, the hired the university minivan a village hall in Glencoe and we all went up to into the mountains to go hiking and climbing and maybe drink a little bit too much wine and whiskey in the evening as well so I joined that and that was my first experience in the highlands of exploring Scotland and being out and about in the mountains and we went climbing in the Three Sisters which is the big mountain range kind of on the southern edge of the Glen that people you know, know from many, many pictures probably. And we went hiking and it was a very mixed 
weather weekend. I think it was the perfect introduction to what the weather in Scotland can throw at you. And I just remember topping out at the top of that climb and sitting down and watching the sunset over the Anoch Igach Ridge across the valley. And I have a photo of this and I, I, I know, you know, it's burnt into my memory how beautiful and special that moment felt to be in that scenic landscape and, you know, just having that moment to myself in the hills. Yeah, so I think there's many places I love, but that, you can't beat that. It's a great way of getting out and seeing Scotland, joining a club such as a mountaineering club. It is, absolutely. And I think moving here as a student, I obviously had so many opportunities that I think I wouldn't have had if I had just moved here as an adult for work. A lot of social opportunities and a lot of contact and and very easy contact with other people, both who lived here permanently and people who had also just moved here or were only here for a semester or for a year at university. So it was just such a fantastic way to travel around, meet people, learn about the country and make these memories that I think you just can't get when you're only in the car or, you know, when you just follow the crowds and just having these really wonderful slow travel experiences in the mountains was amazing for me. Yeah, for people planning a trip to Scotland, I guess a lot of people tend to go Edinburgh, Edinburgh Castle, Stirling Castle, Isle of Skye. I see those, you know, when I'm just Googling, you know, trips to Scotland, those are the things that come up the most. But what tips would you give to someone who has never been to Scotland before and is perhaps traveling from overseas and they've got, I know, a week in Scotland? I know that's not enough. (laughs) But what (laughs) tips would you give them for like planning their trip for starters? Mm, Absolutely. You're so right. There's this kind of triangle between Edinburgh, Skye, and Inverness is another one with, with Loch Ness. Those kind of three places, so many people come here and that's all they see. And all three of them are wonderful. There's absolutely nothing that speaks against visiting either of these locations. But I think my main tip for people planning a trip isn't so much about where to go, because I think where you have to go or where you should go depends so much on what you want out of your trip, what your travel style is, what you want to get out of it. And I think also what first drew you to Scotland, was it the scenery, was it Outlander, was it your heritage, whatever it was, right? All of these things will have such a massive impact of what areas you should pick to see. So I think my best tip for people is to really spend time thinking about that, their own priorities, what they want to achieve, and making sure that the trip is for them and not to, you know, just be able to show the pictures of the same places to their friends that they would recognize. So so really spending that time and making the conscious effort to make that trip about what they want to do and what they want to see. I think that's a huge part of planning a trip that you will remember for the rest of your life. And then if I can add, add two more things, and then the next step is to think, or what's feasible, like you say, you know, a week isn't that much, but it is actually a good amount of time to give you a good introduction to a lot of places and enough time to to make some really wonderful memories. And I think it's about being realistic of what's possible in that week, or if you have two weeks, what's possible in those two weeks. 
And less is always more. So reducing your mileage, spending more time in fewer locations to really experience them and explore them is something I would really, really encourage people to do. And then the third thing is really about finding ways to connect with the local culture and making time for those experiences, whether that is joining a local Cayley or booking a guided tour, just making these connections with local people, not just the places you visit and looking at it, but really finding those connections with people and, and yeah, thinking about Scotland as a place where people live, you know? And that, that's what drew me in so much is that connection with that taxi driver, right? So yeah, that's probably my three top tips, I would say, for planning a trip. That reminds me of a trip I took to Shetland back in oh, 2006, before I moved back to New Zealand. I, I was doing a two-week whistle-stop tour around parts of Scotland that I hadn't been to before I left the country. I'd lived in Edinburgh for a year and a half. And so I was in, I'd booked a, a guided tour on Unst, so the mm-hmm. most northerly populated island in the Shetland Isles. And so I had a lady who's probably about the age that I am now. And we we met at the ferry and she took me in a car and took me around all the, you know, the major places of the bus stop. A lot of people will know that, the the, um, decorated bus shelter. And we went to the beach where the Atlantic meets the North Sea. That was quite cool Mm -hmm. to see where the seas met. And then as she was dropping me back off at the YHA, she said, oh, there's a Kaylee tonight. I've got room in my car for, you know, if you want to come and anyone else staying at the hostel. And so, yeah, she picked us up and we went to this Kaylee, which I never would have learned about had I not Mm -hmm. booked a guided tour. And it was such a highlight for not just myself, but the other two that came with us. Oh, I can imagine that. And it's those kinds of experiences. You can't plan that either. You know, you can... Obviously, I'm a planner, so I love planning and I love researching and finding all the options and then kind of picking the way how I feel. But sometimes you just need to leave that bit of space for spontaneity as well. Um, nowadays, it's obviously important to book your accommodations in advance and things like that. It, it is getting harder to be super spontaneous. But yeah, having a spare evening to see what's happening yeah, it's incredible the the things you can experience when you do go with the flow a little bit sometimes. And that just sounds so wonderful. <laughs> what things have, have happened to you that have been spontaneous when you've been exploring Scotland? Actually, I had a very similar experience about a month ago when I was up near the Isle of Skye. I actually meant to go over to Skye on, there's a small turntable ferry. It's the only turntable ferry left in the world that goes from, I think, around Easter to the middle of October. So I meant to take that ferry to go to Skye because I did the exact same thing exactly 10 years ago. So I wanted to kind of honour that. But the weather was so bad. It was so stormy and windy that the ferry was cancelled for the entire day and also the entire next day. So... I thought, well, I could drive back all the way to take the bridge over to Sky, but I thought, why don't I just take this as a sign and stay in the area? So the village where the ferry leaves from is called Glen Elg, and it's absolutely beautiful. So both the village, um, the Glen itself, and then there's a about a 10-mile single-track road along the coast to the next village over. And most people just go to the ferry, and then they're gone. But actually staying in that area, I was 
talking to the ferryman and he recommended going to see the local broths, which are Iron Age roundhouses, ruins of them anyways. And he recommended going to the local brewery. And I followed all of that advice. And then at the brewery, the girl who worked there told me about this music night, the informal music night at the village hall in the village 10 miles down the road. And so I thought, you know what? Why don't I just go in and check it out? So I went and it was fantastic because people brought their instruments. There was people telling their stories. I got to tell a story that I recently read in a folklore book full of Scottish stories. And it was just such a wholesome experience where I really felt that because I had taken that time and because I, it was so unexpected, I didn't know anything about the area that I had to ask people for their advice. And I think that just made those two days I spent in Glen Elg, two of the best travel days I think I've had this year. And it it was all down to, you know, plans not working out and having to stay flexible. And locals always know the best places. 100% exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to your podcast, Wild for Scotland. Mm. Just wrapping up your fifth season. And, we are indeed, yeah. And the season's theme is Ushka, so the waterways of Scotland. So what have you enjoyed visiting and learning about for this? Oh, so many things. So yes, this season was all about Scottish waters and waterways. And one thing I really enjoyed about it was thinking about water in different ways, especially not just along the coast, but also the freshwater lochs and rivers and canals of Scotland, but also places like peat bogs, which, you know, are full of water and rely on water to exist and to do the important uh, thing that they do for us whether that's you know helping us to avoid erosion or storing ca- carbon in the soil all these things these amazing things peat bogs do so really thinking about water not just as something that is on the coast but that is everywhere around us and in so many different ways and places I went on a really fantastic beaver canoe safari on the river Tay where we got to paddle with beavers and see them out in the wild in their ponds, beavering away and climbing over dams. It was amazing. I have a couple of episodes about snorkeling, which is one of my big passions that I really only rediscovered last year. Uh, Snorkeling in seagrass meadows and also off the coast of Fife and seeing lots of little hermit crabs and just finding lots of critters in the nooks and crannies of the rocks of a coastline that maybe otherwise doesn't look as stunning or or impressive as maybe further up in the highlands, but actually below the surface, it's just as beautiful as anywhere else really in Scotland. So it's been really nice to think about those kinds of activities and then also speaking to experts about how we can visit these waterways in a responsible way and making sure that as visitors, as tourists, as locals who are traveling around, we're not harming places by visiting them and making sure that whatever we do is as low impact on nature as possible and as positively impacting local communities as possible as well. So yeah, the the theme was Scottish waters, but really it was about so much more than than just waterways. So you've covered quite a lot in your, the different seasons. So just pick, pulling up on your website, you've got season one is islands, season two road trips, 
three and four are about the people of Scotland and then now the, the waters. What are you going to do next? <laughs> well, so the the ups and downs of an independent podcast are quite interesting. <laughs> so because we're entirely self-funded, it's always a little bit, the ideas are always bigger than what we're actually able to pull off just to be wise with resources and things like that. I have many ideas for future episodes and potential new seasons. It's just about finding ways to make them happen and fit in with my other work and, and things like that. But I think we will see a lot more about creativity and travel and how creativity in various forms and stages kind of crosses over with, with traveling and experiencing new places, learning new things. And then the other thing I'm really interested in is anything to do with responsible travel. Like I mentioned earlier, whether that is about nature and wildlife or about local communities and having a positive impact on the places we visit and also taking positive learnings with us ourselves. So those are the two topics I'm kind of flirting with for the new season for next year. But yeah, there will also be lots of new stories about adventures and different regions in Scotland. I always try to think about which are places that I haven't covered yet or regions I've not covered yet. And there are there's still so many gaps and so many stories I'd like to tell. So yeah, you never know what else comes out. <laughs> I would have thought surely by now you would have explored, you know, all of Scotland. Well, you know, it's it's hard because the more I know, I feel, or the, the more I travel, the more I learn about places that, you know, you go, kind of go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of, oh, there's this village that is five miles down the road. You need to spend a week there. But particularly with the podcast, it's also just about finding the time to write stories about the places I've already visited that you might find on the blog already, but just not on the podcast yet. So, yeah. There's always more to see, which is one of my favourite things about Scotland. I know I will not get bored in the no. next 10 years here either. <laughs> one thing I love about your podcast, Kathy, that's different to others is that it really is, you're telling a story with it and you feel like you're on this adventure with you rather than, you know, just sat at home watching something and you know that you're not there. But this is a really immersive experience. Uh, thank you so much. It was really what I wanted to do with the podcast from the start and I think that's because it grew out of the pandemic and, and out of the lockdowns and the, the the inability to travel was to think you know the blog is such a practical resource and I love creating it and I love writing for it but it is very much about tips and advice and things to do and a travel guide I wanted the podcast to be different and I wanted it to be something that you could enjoy whether you're planning a trip or not even if you're not even thinking about traveling for the next two years, three years, five years, but it would be something that you could just sit and listen or walk and listen or be in the car and listen to and feel like you're traveling in your mind and you're going on a journey regardless of where you are and really creating something that wasn't just useful or practical, but something that kind of inspired the mind and gave you a little break from reality as well. Well, it certainly does that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's also given me lots, lots more places to add to my own, <laughs> my own wish list of, you know, Scottish travel. So I'm not so sure the, if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> that's the, that's the side effect of, I think, any travel stories. I'm the same. Like I said, I always find out about new places 
and I want to go and see them all. <laughs> so let's dive into the, the topic of, of Scotland just a little bit deeper. So I, I know you're already in Scotland in Glasgow, but if you could have 24 hours anywhere in Scotland, where would you spend it? It's so hard because I always feel so bad about the places I can't pick. <laughs> Maybe I can start with seeing what I would do, which is probably in the morning. I would go for a swim and a snorkel. So I would be somewhere by the sea and and enjoying being in the cold water and just clearing my mind and you know seeing the underwater world and then having a lovely lunch, whether that's over a campfire or my camping stove or in a nice restaurant, looking out onto the coast and being immersed in that natural setting. I would probably spend the afternoon hiking, nothing too strenuous. It could be a walk around a nature reserve or to a clearance village, just being out in nature and in the countryside. And then in the evening, I would want to finish with a meal in a cosy pub, having a few drams probably, and maybe listening to music, maybe attending a community Kaylee with music and stories, something like that. And then after that, at night, I would go outside. The skies would be clear. There would be no clouds. Of course not. And I would go stargazing and actually look at the Milky Way above my head. And then I thought, well, where could you do that? And there's a few, oh, there's many places where you could do all of these things in one day. And I think two that I wanted to pick is one of my favourite regions in Scotland is the heart of Argyll, the mid-Argyll region. So around Kilmartin Glen, there are some coastal villages like Artfern and Loch Craignish and Tavialich a little bit further south. There's a wonderful pub there, the Tavialich Inn and the Tainish Nature Reserve for nice walks and many beaches and coastal spots for snorkeling along the North Argyll Snorkel Trail. So that would be a fantastic place to do all of these things in. And then the other place would maybe be the Isle of Col, which I fell absolutely in love with. Well, the first time I visited, but again this year when I spent the week there. And the Col Hotel has a fantastic restaurant and the beaches around the island are just so wonderful for snorkeling and swimming. I've had such amazing experiences there. So those would maybe be my two top picks for those 24 hours. I know I cheated a little, but yeah. <laughs> they both sound divine places to, to go yeah. and stay. But the and longer both a bit, hours. And both a little bit off the beaten path, you know, they're not maybe the usual places that people would consider. So I'm hoping I can inspire a few people to look them up. Mm. And what what would you be eating and drinking? And, you know, I know you mentioned that, you know, we dram, but what particular food do you think you'd have for your 24 hours? So I used to be quite strict vegan, which I'm not anymore. So I would probably indulge in a little bit of local seafood, anything that is super locally caught and where food miles are really kept to the bare minimum, if anything. So some seafood would probably be my top choice. And then you know, you can always do a little bit of foraging, find some wild herbs, some wild flowers to put on your sandwiches, things like that. So yeah, I would try and learn a little bit about foraging or a little more about foraging and add a few wild ingredients as well. And you mentioned for the evening, you know, going to the pub and listen to some local music, perhaps a Kaylee. What other music would you have in your soundtrack? You know, maybe as you're I know in, in your earphones as you're walking from the beach back to your, your van or wherever you've been staying. 
I've really kind of rekindled my love with Scottish folk music in the last year or so. We went to the Orkney Folk Festival and I discovered so many bands that are just wonderful to listen to. One of them is Farah from the Orkney Islands. They sing in English because Gaelic is not necessarily the, the main language on Orkney. But their music is just so wonderful. It's a trio of violins and a piano player and a singer. One of the violinists sings as well. And it's just wonderful. So Farah, F-A-R-A, would be one. And then the other singer I'm really enjoying at the moment is Julie Fowlis from the island of North Uist. She sings primarily in Gaelic, which is her native language. And people might know her because she sang the soundtrack for Brave, I believe, the Pixar film. Um, so she would definitely be in my ears as well. Some Gaelic music, some folk music from Orkney. I think that's a good mix. That is a good mix. I'm, I'm always up for learning about different Scottish bands. I've never heard of Farah before, but I've, I've heard of Julie Fowler. So I think she's, she's quite well known in, among the, the Gaelic speakers. Definitely. Oh, she's fantastic. I've seen her live in Kingusi, just south of Aviemore, a year ago. And the com- it was in the community sports centre and the floor was literally bouncing. It was a sports hall, so it was meant to do that, but it was amazing. And Farah, are, yeah, definitely check them out. They're so good. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation, Cathy. Hearing about Scotland and what led you to arrive in Glasgow in the first place. Oh, thank you so much. Do you, I wanted to know, like, how Scottish do you feel now? I and mean, you'll never not be Austrian, but is there something in you now that is that innate Scot? <laughs> I think the way I say I. <laughs> a lot of people comment on that. It's, it's just the kind of, the way you start using these Scottish words and phrases and they become second nature is is definitely one of the things that I feel that's Scottish about me. But like you say, I will never stop being Austrian and I will never be fully Scottish to the extent because I've not been born here and grown up here. And my cultural context or frame of reference is always going to be a little bit international. But I think that's kind of also what makes it so interesting to be here because it allows me to notice these things that are particularly Scottish or or particularly for Glasgow and and be very conscious about how that presents in myself and in other people as well and think about it too and question it sometimes when it's necessary you know learning about Scottish history the highland clearances the history of Gaelic culture and language all these things if I was Scottish I might have not considered learning about these things because they're so they feel so natural and yet people know so little about them so I think it's that element of being able to learn and keep learning about Scottishness and Scottish culture that to me is what makes me Scottish is that eager eagerness to learn and and be a part of it We'll have links to Watch Me See and Wild for Scotland in the show notes so people can go and check you out and and get all your hot tips on where to go and what to do. Super. Well, I hope people come and um, take the time and really experience it and and make it their own and find their own little hidden gems, favourite places and special people in Scotland. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much to Cathy for being my first guest on Scottish at Heart. You've made me wish I was in Scotland, but for now, I'll listen to your episodes and dream of my own travels. If you're also feeling homesick, regardless of whether you've lived in Scotland or not, come and join the Scottish at Heart clan over on Patreon. It's the clan for all those who are Scottish at Heart, regardless of whether you have a clan to call your own or not. The link is in the show notes, otherwise go to Patreon and search Scottish at Heart. That's it for episode one. In episode two, we will meet the daughter of a Scot who has written a song about the Highland Clearances. You've just listened to Scottish at Heart. For more Caledonian connections, join our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You'll get bonus content plus a members-only space to strengthen your Scottish ties. You can also make our day by leaving a five-star review. See you next time.